0: As God has made us free to serve. And as our reading from Philippians and also from Matthew today, we are here for each other to serve one another. And so uh, my new title that reflects that, especially today, is A Christ-like Community. Dear friends in Christ, there was a man who once said to his friend, life would be so simpler if it weren't for people. You know, they laughed also at that obvious truth of his statement, but also at the irony that people are what make up our lives. And it's living in a community where really the rubber hits the road for we Christians. We're challenged to live out the teachings of Jesus. We can have a strong devotional life, and certainly having a strong devotional life is important. But if we can't live out those teachings of Jesus in our everyday interactions with others, then really we see that our discipleship and our witness have very little impact on others. Paul, in the use of an early Christian hymn, which is actually verses 6 through 11 of that second chapter in Philippians, he's the one who challenges Christians in Philippi and also those who follow them including us even today, to live an abundant life as we are those who are faithfully living in community. And that's a familiar passage of Scripture for us. We've seen this before. And usually when we read it, we understand that, uh, well, Paul's speaking to us individually. Well, individually we should live our lives and empty ourselves and become obedient. But in reality, Paul is writing to a community. A community that he's saying, this is how you live in a community of God's children. And one of the marks of that community, it's having a common mind. And so Paul writes in verse 2, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And Paul's encouraging people to have a unity of purpose. And that unity first comes from a unified love of God. It comes from a unified commitment of being disciples of Christ. And it's also a unified understanding that as followers of Jesus, well, that is what we've taken up to do in our mission and ministry of Christ. Well, we're unified in our understanding that the community of the faithful is a uniform type of community. There are no classes of people in God's family. It's not like we say to one person, you're in, and someone else, you're out. No, no one is is, is excluded. But everyone is included. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a common bond. We have a common foundation also as we live together as God's people and servants of our living Lord and Savior. Listen to what Paul emphasizes here on this idea as he writes to those Christians at Philippi. He says, "Therefore, if you have any encouragement of being, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion." The translation of that. Well, if Jesus has made any real dent in your life, if you being a brother or sister in Christ has any real impact on how you live, well, then he goes on to say, then make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And with who does Paul say this about? Is it with everyone who's around you? Or perhaps with all the people who are like you? Is it with all the folks that you naturally like, or those who like you? No, Paul says he has the words, have the same love, spirit, and mind, really, as Christ. And then he goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, don't be self-focused. You certainly wouldn't want that when you're meeting other people, too, about them, where they're saying, well, I'm best. Um, It's me first. Or who's taking care of me? What's in it for me? Or they might say, well, there should be even more for me. That type of orientation is what got human beings really messed up in the first place in that Garden of Eden. And we know that... It's been wrecking life ever since. The 5th century Bishop Augustine, he said that the essence of sin is literally this curving in upon oneself. That tendency to think a great deal about my feelings, my opinions, my needs and my position instead of someone else's. Well, Christians don't need to do that anymore. Christians know that We are loved children by an almighty God. He's the most beautiful person that we can know of in this universe. In fact, we know he's greater than the universe he even created. And he has proclaimed to us that we are so loved by him that he would send Jesus to suffer and die for us. We Christians know that we have a glorious airship in heaven. We are the heirs of eternal life. And we have an identity and a security that is really solid. And while it takes you know, a lifetime to really fully live into that reality, knowing that, to know that, is going to liberate you. It's going to liberate you from a self-focus to an other focus. In other words, we could say that we're now cu- curving out instead of curving in. The Apostle Paul, he understood that this shift in orientation, it really takes time for all of us. And I think it's why he writes this letter to the Christians at Philippi. He knows that we're always being tempted to go back to the natural, sinful, human way of life. We feel like we're always pulled to make our school life, our job, our marriage, and our church life a lot about us. But Paul says this. He says, Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. Now, I'm not saying that you don't matter. You are God's royal children. And you have an identity and gifts and the wisdom that God has given us that we need for this world. Don't think less of yourselves but think of yourselves less. That's how Jesus models it for us. Paul says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. In other words, Jesus could have properly and rightfully chosen to have had everything be about him, but he didn't. Instead, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't view that position or privilege or power as something to be used mainly to secure more benefits for him. No, what did he do? He's the one who rather made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Why did he do that? Well, it was solely for the sake of others. For you and me, for people of all time. That's the greatest thing that could have ever happened to us in our lives. And it did. That's what you can really call a wow moment. Now, Paul doesn't stress what Jesus gave up in his letter to the Philippians. Instead, he stresses what Jesus put on. Jesus put on our human nature. He became one of us. And one way that we can best understand that is to see that we have all been called to get involved in the lives of others and serve. Now, some of us have traveled six hours by plane to go to different parts of Alaska. Or closer to home, we have ministries that address the needs of others. You know, if you were here during the week, You'd be amazed at all the number of coats you would see that were brought in for children to keep them warm this winter. And also how we've been able to go to downtown Chicago to take care of homeless. Even maybe one day again, we'll be filling bags of meals for children through Feed My Starving Children as they reach out to even third world countries. And there's another group that does So much as well. And that's our LWML, a special group of ladies who are outward focused. It's a joy for me to be their counselor here at Trinity and also for our whole circuit to see all of that in action as they first look at God's Word and what it speaks to them and how they then go out and do that work for others. LWML doesn't make things for themselves. Instead, as you see here, even with the display of the blankets and quilts, it's for those who we can serve. And it's a joy to know that that witness is there. And it continues to grow. It's a witness that is so important. Even as they have shared over $2.1 million in pledges for these next two years for projects around the world, places even up in Russia, Mongolia, India, and other places even here in the United States. Another way to really understand Paul's instructions for us is to see them as a challenge. A challenge for us to be able to form a close, strong relationship with each other. You know, we're called to get to know each other and also, when appropriate, to get involved in other people's lives. Our small group's ministry is such a great example of that, as that has been going strong for so many years. It's not just people getting together to study God's Word, but also in the caring that goes on for each other, as if that person was a member of our own household that we live in each day. And whether it's a a small group's picture that they'll take, and it's on a home at a table there, Or maybe it's on a table at the bedside of a hospital bed where one of the members has gone. They know that there are times too when, well, maybe there's a particular group of people in that small group and they come to help one of their members who can't perhaps do a particular task themselves. All of that is being involved, being involved with each other. And that really brings joy and peace and comfort to the recipients of those being served by others. And why do they serve them, that person? It's all because of the love of Christ that is in us. There was a mother who was preparing a pancake breakfast for her two little boys, Kevin and Ryan. And the boys began to argue about who was going to get the first pancake. So the mother thought, well, I'm going to use this to help teach a moral lesson to them. And so she says, now, boys, hold on for a minute here. Let me tell you. You know, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, well, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. And the two boys, they sat there in silence for a moment. And then Kevin, who's the five-year-old, he turns to his younger brother. He says, okay, Ryan, you be Jesus. Yeah. That's the challenge for us, isn't it? Yeah. Choosing to be like Jesus when the pressure is on. Choosing to use our position and a power and privilege, not for our own advantage, but to serve others, so that they may be blessed. You know, we face that each time we take our credit card out. Or perhaps when it used to be the offering plate would go around the pews. We face it every time that we are in a conflict at home or work or somewhere else. We might wonder, you know, am I going to focus solely on my feelings and my preferences? Or is there a legitimate hurt or hunger out there that needs my help? We choose it each time we come to church. We may look at you know, worship and say, well, is the purpose of this, is it really to get my needs met? Or is it to help me to address the needs of others? Martin Luther King Jr., he once said that life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? If you and I are genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, and we're not just mere admirers of what he did for us, well, then of course it's a Persistent and urgent question for us, too. That's why we carry the gospel even to the ends of the earth. And that's why we have a compassion. A compassion that we exercise to those who we would say would be stuck in the ditch. Paul had some words, too, that he shared with the Corinthians. He said to them, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And at the end of that section, he goes on to say, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, Every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. Jesus emptied himself and became one of us so that we might experience God and also empty ourselves and become involved in life and lives of others. We're not alone, we are one together in Christ. And as we respond to God's love and grace, by sharing God's love and grace, well, then we know too that by daily experiencing that love and grace, we do that in the community of believers. And it's that outward-looking focus that we have that's our distinctive brand as being Christian. A Christian lives for the sake of others. Are you one of them that really does that? Do you have that mindset of Christ Jesus? In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen